Thank you, Fraser. As Fraser said, we want to do a, just a little bit of thinking about um, how we engage and why we engage with the Bible. So let me start with just some questions. Uh, now, you can answer, I'm not going to ask you to answer them out loud. Uh, um, you can rest a little bit, but uh, maybe answer them in your head. Or if you have a scrap of paper, you could um, note things down. Or if you have a mobile phone and uh, want to write something down, just uh, they're, they're worth thinking about. What is it that we read? What is the Bible? And why do we read it? Uh, if I can make that somewhat more personal, why do you read it? And what does God do by his Spirit uh, in us and to us when we read the Bible? Now, we, we all have answers to those questions. I'd love, I'd love to have the opportunity for you to talk to me about those and talk to each other about those because they could be very interesting. Um, but we haven't got time for that this morning. But we may be able to create some time for that uh, some places in the future. But the answers that we have to those questions will shape our expectations and our experience both of engaging with the Bible and of engaging with God. And that's why they're so important. And we just be able to scratch the surface this morning, but we want to pause and think about how we engage with the Bible and relate to God and engage with Him through the Bible. And now obviously, as Fraser said, that will be part of what the Connect groups will be doing, and therefore it's worth pausing to think. So to think about the question, well, what is the Bible? It's the record of God's action, isn't it? In and for the world. It's a story, it's a narrative, it's a drama. Pick whatever word you want to describe it. From the beginnings of the world and look forward right to the end of the world. It doesn't fill in all the details in between, but, but it certainly gives us a story to understand the beginning right to the very end. Through the Old Testament into the New Testament, with its focal point, of course, being on the person of Jesus. It's God's plan, it's God's story. It's his action in his world. But it's also important to realize that that story is also our story. That's who we are. We are part of that ongoing, unfolding drama and plan. It's about who we are. We read it to locate ourselves as part of what God is doing in his world to, to share its outlook, to be shaped by its, by its values, to live as followers of Jesus. And that is actually an incredible privilege, isn't it? That we can read this amazing narrative and think, that's us. That's me. That's who we are. You, you, this little community of Dublin West, we feel so insignificant in the 150,000 plus people that live in Dublin 15. And yet we know who we are because we read it, our story, in the Scriptures. And every time we read it, we're reminding ourselves of who we are. The, the Bible is, if you like, an identity narrative. It just, the Spirit uses us, uses the, the Scriptures rather, to shape us as individuals and as a community into the likeness of Jesus so that we can be part of that story and that narrative. It's, it's, it's an incredible privilege. In Dublin West, the previous slide we had up, we talk about up 
and in and out. And that shape comes from locating ourselves in that narrative. Because that's what that narrative is about. All we do under up and in and out take its impetus and its engaging uh, with and living out this drama. That's what we do. That's what we are. And we read the scriptures to remind ourselves of who we are as a community and as who we are as individuals. Uh, let me try and help you think of that a little bit uh, by telling you a story of, from our past, from Joan and I's past. And it is a bit of a, a longer ago story because it's before we were married. Um, I was at college in London and Joan was in Dublin. And phone calls back then cost an absolute fortune calling from the UK to Dublin or from Dublin to the UK. So we took the letter writing. It shows you how long ago it was because who writes letters these days? Very, very few. Now let me tell you, if you can read that letter, that is not one that I wrote or Joan wrote. <laughs> it, this is, yeah, it's an image from Google. Right? So, so I don't know who wrote it. <laughs> it's a Google image finder. I wanted a letter, a handwritten letter. That's what I got. Um, it says some very nice things at the end, <laughs> but Joan tells me, I won't tell you what you told me, we just saw it last night. <laughs> but I loved, I loved getting those letters in my little pigeonhole um, where, where, I, where I was a student. I loved the news, I loved the stories that Joan wrote, um, but most of all, I read them as a reminder of our relationship. That's why I read them. Uh, and yes, I would read them more than once. Very often it was, it was a... You're on your way to, way to class in the morning, stop the pigeonhole, grab the letter, open up, quick scan, and then later on the day, uh, a bit more time, and I would read some of the details. Not because I needed to know all the details for the next time Joan phoned me, and I could, I could, I could recite what she'd said in the letter, but because they reminded me of the relationship that we shared. And it was all, I always found it really very special and very exciting when something that Joan had written to me intersected directly with my life in London. Didn't happen all the time. Maybe didn't happen very often, but when it did happen, it was really important. Those letters reminded me of who we were together. That's why they were important. Um, Joan asked me last night had I kept them. I have no idea if they're in our summer stock <laughs> in an attic or a roof but they were important uh, at the time. Um, our interactions with the Bible are very similar to that, but actually are much more profound. We in, read it to engage with God's action. As I've said, we engage, read it to in, understand God's work and God's plan and remind ourselves that we are part of it. And sometimes when we read the scriptures, there's a very direct intersection with something in our lives, something, question that we're asking, whatever it is. And we can draw a direct line from the Bible to ourselves, and that's very, very special. But even if we don't experience that, or don't experience it very often, it's still vitally important to keep reading the Bible because it reminds us of who we are, and how we live. It, it, it gives us the values that shape us. It makes us who we are in the relationship that we have with our living God. The values of followers of Jesus that the Spirit works in us as we read. 
even sometimes we can't see those direct intersections. When they happen, they're fantastic. But sometimes it's important for us just to read, just to engage, to remind ourselves of who we are. And the Spirit will use that to shape us into followers of Jesus. Because actually He's shaping us for a world with a range of different values from the world around us. He's shaping us to be citizens of, a, of another world. Not an ethereal world, but a real other world, but where the values are very different from the values of this world. And the character and the lifestyle that develops from that is what we need to be as followers of Jesus to live in God's world, God's different ordered world. And that's one of the reasons why it's very important to read the Bible, sometimes in large chunks, to get the whole big picture. Um, and, and you can read most of the Gospels. I think if you sat down and read a Gospel, it might take a couple of hours. The letters are shorter. Some of the Old Testament books take a lot longer. But it can be really important to get an idea of the whole story. But I know it's not always possible. We're, we're, we're pressed for time. Um, um, it isn't always possible to sit down and spend long times reading. And so if we're only reading a very short section, we should think of it as a window into the much bigger story. Those letters I got from Joan, sometimes I went back and just read that, what I thought was the real important paragraph that was relevant to me. But in doing that, it reminded me of the relationship and everything else that had been written in that letter. And it's something similar to how we approach the Bible, isn't it? Uh, Tom Wright uses a very helpful illustration. He describes it like this. We can even use... We can use short Bible readings. We can use a verse to connect us to the big story. He describes it a bit like this. Imagine yourself in a cottage in the country. And cottages in the country have little small windows. Um, and all you can see if you're standing in the middle of the room is what's out your window. Yeah? And you can only see part of the picture. But outside there is beautiful views of landscape and if it, maybe, it could maybe sea or, or mountains or whatever it happens to be. But if you, if, you, if you walked over to the window and put what he says, put your nose against the window, then you'll see a whole different picture because the vista opens up. He suggests that when we read anywhere, anywhere at all, long or short, in the Scripture, we're putting our nose up against the window and trying to see the whole of the great big story. Uh, I haven't got a picture of this, but in our house, there's a little small window in our front door. The, the rest is solid, but there's a little small window, probably not much bigger than, than that page. In fact, it's smaller than this page. And if you happen to look out the window standing in the hall, all you see usually is the roof of the car, which is parked in the driveway just outside the front door. You can see nothing else. And I've tried this. If you were to walk up and put your head against the window, you can see most of our street. You can go and try it at home if you've got a window, a little small window in your front door. Every time you read any of the Bible, whether it's a few verses, or a paragraph, or a chapter, 
or a book. That is what we should be doing, and that is how we should be thinking. And allowing that passage to be a window on this huge landscape and story of what God is doing in his world and in us. Because that's really important to remind ourselves of again and again and again. Because as we do it, it shapes us. Let me develop the picture a little bit further. When we come together to study the Bible as a group, it's like sitting in front of a viewing window with a big landscape because we are, we are trying together to understand this big story and, and where we can see and take in the view that we, as we share together and talk about how aspects of it intersect with us. And of course, if I had a bigger screen and a bigger window, it gets bigger again uh, when we come to uh, uh, be together on a Sunday morning, perhaps like the size of windows that we see around the room. It's really important for us to engage with the Scripture to help us understand who we are and what God is doing in his world because that's, that's who we are and we're part of that. But when we do read the Bible uh, and we engage it either individually or together, how do we appreciate what we read? Now, there's lots I could say on this this morning, but, but just a few general things to get us thinking. Um, we have arranged a, 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 a session, a conversation on Zoom this coming week and Wednesday evening. If you want to ask any questions about what I said this morning or any other questions that you have about the Bible, I'll put a, I'll put a disclaimer. It, it won't necessarily get answered uh, on Wednesday evening, but at least we can talk about them and try and maybe find some answers if you've got any answers about, about these kinds of stuff. If, if, I keep, if I keep in mind this idea of, of looking out at a landscape, then there are two important questions that we have to ask, and these are important questions to ask about any time we read the Bible. What am I looking at, and what's actually there? Now, I'm going to use two technical words. Um, I, I, I know that sometimes technical words uh, can be really frustrating for people, but these two summarize big things. Let me just use two short technical words, if that's okay. The first one is um, genre. And it just means it just means what type of literature am I looking at? Joan talked about it in all these books that she had. They represent different types of literature. So you can either talk about types of literature or talk about genres, right? Because this is shorter words. I'm going to talk one word, genre. And, and, and how we expect, how we Things we expect from them differs, doesn't it? It's, it's, uh, this is not rocket science. It's not something new. It's something we do all of the time. See, my guess is you don't read a recipe in the same way as you read an advert for a house on daft.ie. Because if you did, you're going to get into trouble. If you read them both the same way. Uh, and you don't read a letter from the revenue commissioners in the same way as you read a book of poetry. You might wish you could. <laughs> But there'll be problems if you do. Not advised. Please don't go and say, someone in church told me to read my revenue letters like poetry. Think about reading a newspaper. Now, I know that many of us don't read newspapers these days, but when you think back to when you did have an actual physical newspaper and reading through it, you, you don't even read all the parts of the newspaper in the same way, do you? Did you? 
There was the opinion piece. There was the headlines. There was the, adver- the, the adverts. You didn't read the adverts in the same way as the editorial, because if you did, you'd get into trouble. And maybe even, maybe even, dare I say, we didn't read a whole range different newspapers the same way. But I won't, I won't, uh, I won't go there. But it's something we all do because that's how written material actually works. We all know it. And it's something that we need to do with the Bible. Though we tend not to think about it for the Bible. Because somehow we think, because the Bible is special, it's somehow exempt from the rules of human language. If you want to read, if we want to read the Bible as the Spirit has inspired it, we don't read the Psalms in the same way as we read Old Testament law. We don't read Proverbs in the same way as we read narrative. We don't read the Gospels in the same way as we do Revelation. We don't read Acts in the same way as we read the New Testament letters because they're not doing the same things. They're different types of literature. They're different genres. And it's really important that we match our reading of any part of the, of the Bible to what the Spirit has given us. Otherwise, we may be trying to make the Bible say things it never meant to say. Let me give an example. If you were to read the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament as a series of promises that work in every life, in every situation, you will be disappointed because that's not what they are. It's just not what they are. They're, they're not guarantees for every life in every situation. They're general observations of life, how life generally works. And of course, there are exceptions Just read the book of Job to see some of those exceptions in real life. Adjusting how we read is a way to honor the scriptures that God has given us by his spirit. And it will help us to follow Jesus by living them when we do that. So, genre. What type of literature am I reading? Other word is context. What's actually there? Um, If you like the landscape, what kind of landscape am I looking at? Is it sea or is it land? And what's actually out there? What are, what are the bits and pieces that go together to make that landscape? Context. What's actually there? How does that help me make sense of this view that I am seeing? The, the Bible is God's book. But it's also a human book because it was composed and written by human authors inspired by the Spirit using the conventions of normal human language, as they were at the time. The Bible isn't some kind of golden tablet handed down from heaven. It's written by humans in human languages and various styles of writing, genres, overseen by the Spirit. And that's why it's important to ask questions about what is actually there when you read. Uh, Two important things to ask. You ask one thing, what did the authors mean when they wrote? That can sometimes be quite demanding. Sometimes it's very straightforward. Most of the times it's pretty straightforward and easy. Sometimes it's quite demanding because the way in which the authors wrote were in the language of their time, which is very different from the how we express things in our day. It's important to be aware of those differences. But actually asking the question is worth it because we want to be sure we're reading the Bible in the way the Spirit intended it to be read. And secondly, 
read what the any words say in their context. That will really help you with the first question. Words, words make sense in sentences, and paragraphs, and books, not in individual short phrases or just one by one. Because when you go to a dictionary and look up a word, any word, there's a whole range of meanings some words can have. But when you put that word into a sentence and put it beside its neighbors, it, it, it just becomes clear, doesn't it? You think of the word, t- you could, here's an exercise for lunchtime, think of the word table and seal, two very common words, and begin putting them in sentences, and you can make, see how many different sentences you can make with the word seal. Um, um, a little gray animal, something you put on an envelope, something that goes around the door frame. But in the sentence, you know, I put a seal around my door frame, you would never think I'm putting gray animals around my door, would you? Even little fluffy ones. Because it makes sense in sentences. That's how, that's how language works. And we should do the same when it comes to when we read the scriptures. Uh, you can make the Bible say anything you want. Anything you want. If you carve it up into little short phrases. You can even make the Bible say there is no God. Because the Bible does say there is no God. It has that phrase. The thing is, the phrase is actually part of a bigger sentence which says, only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. It's Psalm 14 verse 1 if you want to look it up. So reading, reading in context, putting things into sentences and then into paragraphs and chunks really helps us and can really help us understand what's going on. We need to be aware of the surrounding sentence, the surrounding paragraph or even the surrounding book, or if necessary, the whole of the Bible to understand what we're, what, we're, what we're reading. Or again, we might end up making God say something he actually never said. Context, genre. Two vital questions, two vital things to keep in mind when we're reading the Bible, because keeping those in mind will help us connect to that big story. And those are two questions that I know we'll be asking as part of our Connect groups. Uh, let me finish with, with, a, with a picture that links to um, uh, what Fraser was also sharing with us and the, and the image that Fraser had. That little window that I talked about in the cottage or in my, or our front door, imagine it was a triangular window. Right? Little triangle or a big triangle, whatever you want. And it the three corners to that image are up and in and out. And every time we engage with the Bible, whether we read it ourselves, whether we're doing it in connect groups, whether it's talks on a Sunday, we, we're actually putting our faces up to that triangular window to see the amazing landscape of the story of God for his world and for us. We're reminding ourselves of who we are, of what we are, and of who God can shape us into by his spirit as we engage with that story. As we look at that story and through that landscape and through that little triangular window, there are three angles or three perspectives perspectives by the three, they're not corners of a triangle, but you know what I mean, the three points of a triangle. Reminding us that our connection to the story, 
Connection to the big story has got three perspectives. One is up, a focus on God and worship. One is out, a focus on people around us who are not yet part of our community, which we call mission. And one is in, a focus on the Dublin West community of, of, of fellow believers and followers of Jesus. When we read on our own, that triangle perhaps get, can be quite small. When we, meet in, when we meet in connect groups, that triangle is perhaps just a little bit bigger, and when we meet together on a Sunday, that triangle is just at maximum size because we're doing this together, connecting ourselves to that big story. And as we do that and see that landscape beyond the window, remember the three angles of up, out, and in because they all flow from aspects of that narrative of who we are and what we are. Isn't that what we want to do to be followers of Jesus? To let that narrative shape us, transform us, and, and, and help us to live for Jesus day by day as followers of him. And that's why engaging with the Bible is so vitally important for all of us. It's the way that God, by his, his Spirit, enables us to know and experience who we are. It's an identity narrative that God has given to us. And it is the way that the Spirit, engaging with that narrative, looking at that vista, is the way the Spirit shapes our lives into ever-increasing likeness to Jesus. And living in that story is life-changing. That's what it said in the reading that William read to us. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I've altered the next bit slightly. The bits in red are additions. So that we, the servants of God, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, so that we can live as followers of Jesus. May that be true for all of us. As we finish, let me leave you with a a, a question just to mull over. Um, perhaps note down again in your that mental pad you have that note app one thing you've learned or been reminded of and one thing you'll take away and do as a result of of being here uh, uh, this morning as I said if you've got questions about anything that we've talked about um, we're going to have a Zoom conversation this coming Wednesday, half past eight. It'll be done by, by, it'll be done by half past nine. Cause I'm going to turn it off at half past nine. Uh, um, I, I, won't, I won't be quite so rude. Um, I, I'll read the story to tell me I shouldn't be rude uh, in that kind of way before, uh, before, before Wednesday. Um, uh, and the, the details will be in the church email. I'm very happy to talk about whatever I said this morning or any other questions that may have been in your mind or maybe other folk have asked you. Um, again, I, I'm not promising we'll have all the answers, but maybe we can find uh, a way together to find some of the answers. Let's pray together.
Father, thank you for the scriptures. Thank you that they are your story that you have given to us to understand. You've given to us to live within. You've given to us to shape and mold us into followers of Jesus. And Father, that is really exciting and really tremendous for us. But Father, we also know that sometimes engaging with the Bible can be demanding and difficult and sometimes perhaps even downright frustrating. Help us to make sense of your word and to live your truth so that we may be able to follow Jesus day by day by day. We pray that for his name's sake and for his glory. Amen.